on the tee from USA. You know, batting both ways. Four overweight Italians that are just scrambling to break bar. I got more confirmed kills on the golf course than probably anybody else I know. If I break 90, I'd be ecstatic. That's just me playing psychological warfare with my uh, playing partner. Welcome back to the Monday Qualifier. It's episode 29. You got Jimmy and Colin here, the golf purists, as Sam would call us, which is fitting. It's Masters week, uh, so we're going to bring a little Masters preview here for you. We are currently recording this as the uh, new Vivint Houston Open finishes up. DJ's coming up 18, so if that finishes up, we'll kind of update you on that. But Jimbo, how's it going? Uh, it's good. I think um, all the fans are going to thank us this week because we're just trimming all the terrible opinions out of the pod we just have like the real content the two of us here this week so i think uh yeah it's gonna be a great episode looking forward to just talking to the dog one-on-one here and previewing the masters yeah well we'll miss aj's uh take on the pimento cheese sandwiches (laughs) and the one dollar beers but i agree um lot to get to um obviously this year the masters no fans um i think we're fortunate to even be playing it um especially given kind of the revamping of everything. Um, but, you know, what what is your kind of expectations, I guess, just going into the tournament? Do you think it'll be, you know, the same? Do you think it'll feel different, you know, better for worse? What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think it's going to feel very different, not so much because of the November thing, but just uh, the no fans. And, like, you know, it, it's a, we're beating a dead drum at this point, talking about no fans, obviously, since it's been like that for so long. But... I think that that's one thing that makes the Masters super um, special and fun to watch is the super loud eruptions you hear, especially on the back nine on the weekend. Um, and just, I think the fans that go to the Masters, they're super knowledgeable golf fans. It's not, you don't have the, the idiots yelling stupid, uh, stupid shit all the time after every shot and like, I think the fans at the Masters, that's, that's a big part of the, the atmosphere and you can even you can even kind of feel it on tv when you watch it so i think that's what's going to feel super different for this one but the fact that it's in november i think the trees will look different but otherwise i don't expect the course to look and play that much differently than than it would in april i don't know what you think though c dog if you if you feel differently about that um i mean just to kind of go off off script here a little bit um watching the houston open this week they actually do have fans so i don't know what um the pga tour has released on that i know i know augusta's not going to have fans but i think that they're allowing like members or you know obviously the volunteers but uh you're right i think it will look really different um in terms of but but i don't think i'm actually kind of excited for it because i think when you look at a place like augusta you know the kind of the serenity that they treat the the course with and everything it almost seems like it should be played you know kind of peacefully with no noise and um i think that that's definitely going to add a a cool aspect to see yes we've we've kind of been doing that you know with with the no fans but um i think it's going to be cool to see how augusta plays you know every other week of the year and in terms of you know being in late fall um yeah i think that's going to look really cool I, I, the course, I don't think will play much different unless Georgia, Northern Georgia, for some reason gets super cold. It can, um, mid November is still, um, you know, it can be pretty cold there. I know we've had some, some good weather, at least over the rest of the country here. It's been warm for middle November, but if it gets down, I think it, that could 
you know, drop the temperature, ball's not going to fly. It's long golf course. So that, that could um, change. But other than that, I don't think, I, I think the one difference that it'll play you might see is around the short game areas where typically you have grandstands or patrons stopping balls. I'm actually really excited to see like if people are going long on nine, um, 18, um, kind of off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of any others. I don't know if you can, but I think sh I, I would be excited to see shots that we can't, that we don't see because of the patrons of the grandstand stopping balls from, from going to them yeah. certain places. I agree. Yeah. I think, I think two is another good example. People rip long irons into that par five that sometimes roll over the back and maybe, maybe they're going to have 40 yards instead of uh, being just off the back now. So that, that's a good point. And uh, I think it's also going to look a lot different without the fans. Some of those greens are sort of in open spaces and yeah. I think that's going to give it a different look this year. Uh, what else was I going to say? Um, I'm losing my train of thought here. Sorry. Um, well, I'll pick you yeah, up here. I think, no, what else I was going to say was that I think they're having not played the course, there are probably certain idiosyncrasies that are going to be different ha playing it in fall versus playing it in the spring that maybe you and me don't know about quite as much. I mean, maybe like it's a slightly different wind or something on yeah. certain holes or, um, I don't know, maybe just the way they have to like mow the, mow the grass. Like maybe that's a little different, like certain times of the year, some of those type of things we may not be able to speak to since we obviously are not playing in the masters, but um, I do think for the most part, uh, weather is going to be the major variable, but otherwise I don't expect, you know, people to look at the course and say, Oh, wow, this is so different. Like compared to April, I think we, there will be small differences, but I don't, I don't expect it to be anything substantial. I think um, one thing that I've always noticed, and you know, if I were playing the golf course, it would definitely be a difference for me is just sight lines. I mean, if you look kind of at an overhead aerial view of these, like two's green, you mentioned two's green just looks like it's in the middle of a green pasture. I mean, there's absolutely nothing around it. Same thing with um, 18 almost, um, yep. nine, 10, uh, or sorry, not 10. Um, I, I, there's just, I think if you're a player that uses trees or grandstands or TV towers for sight lines or just framing of the golf course, I think you might struggle trying to find those same lines. Um, if you've played the golf course enough, you know, maybe, but if you're somebody that's only played it once, twice, or never, I think maybe getting your sight lines and getting comfortable off some of those tee shots and coming into those greens, especially like, you know, if you're, if you have an uphill approach on nine, you obviously know long is death and there's nothing behind that green to stop it anymore. Then, I mean, you can't see where you're landing the ball. So, I mean, that might, I think that there's some shots that could, you know, kind of play tricks on people's minds because they haven't seen the golf course. Um, that's one thing that I know that I thought about that would, I would struggle with because I need something to help me aim. Um, and I think that that could be a, uh, an interesting aspect going into this week. Yeah, um, as we were trying to figure out like what we wanted to talk about to preview the Masters this week, I I had a couple questions that I came up with that I thought could be interesting to think about. And um, I wanted to bring one of those up now because I think it has to do with what we're talking about with the golf course. So um, obviously this is, this is a November Masters. We've never seen it before. One thing I was thinking about was, is there, you know, since this is like a one-off unique scenario where we're playing in November, is there anything 
else you think they should do differently this year? Just kind of a one-time change that, that maybe would be like kind of neat to try with, you know, maybe not without having fans there, maybe it's possible. And um, I think I could split this up two ways. Like I think there could be some cool things they could try with the course. And then I think maybe like some non-course things they could also, uh, they could also try. But do you have anything you can think of Colin that you, I have a couple ideas that I, I'll talk about, but is there anything you would be like, Hey, it'd be cool if they would try this this year, just cause there are no fans. Maybe they have a chance to do it. So if you listened, if you listened to our episode or you get the chance to listen to our episode where we talked about the, um, the masters back in April, you know, at the old date, um, I harped on the front nine saying that it was my favorite nine. I thought it was the harder nine. Um, and I, to answer your question, I think it would be interesting to just do a complete total reroute of this golf course. And that was one of my ideas too. I'll let you explain what you're thinking, but um, yeah. I, I, I think some of those holes on the front nine are so underappreciated. Um, and that, you know, that might just be because, you know, the back nine on Sunday, you know, that's, that's what the masters is. That's what everybody looks forward to. That's what's always talked about. But some of those holes on the front nine are so difficult and such great golf holes. They've undergone redesign after redesign. They've gotten better each time. I think just a complete, not even, I'm not even talking about flipping nines. I'm talking about a complete redesign going from, you know, you go one to two, and then maybe you jump over to, I don't know, 13 or something. I mean, whatever the routing, not 13, uh, whatever the rerouting would be, to just completely reroute the golf course. I would have to kind of sit down and think about what yeah. I really want to do. But um, I think that would be, <laughs> I don't know, just a total mind fuck for these guys. <laughs> and I think people honestly would hate it, but I would love it. Yeah. I'm well, actually flipping the nines is what I was going to say. So I think maybe that's a more simplistic way to go. But if I was thinking about it, like if you, if people are starting their rounds, basically playing 10 11 12 would be one two and three if you flip the nines you could especially on thursday some of the like you know if it's your first time masters and you're you're a little bit nervous like you could very easily be six over after three holes playing those yeah. three holes uh right off the bat and then um i think thinking about the holes that are currently on the front nine um making the turn you have a chance to pick up a birdie on two which is a reachable par five. You have a chance to pick one up on three, which is almost a drivable par four. It's like 350. So I think that would be super interesting. And then um, you have the the difficult par threes, four and six, kind of uh, with with five, another difficult hole san sandwiched between them. So I think that could be very interesting as a back nine um, on Sunday. And then you would you would sort of have another easy hole. Um, eight would be the 17th. And then nine is a super difficult green. So I think if, if you're nervous and you got a, got a two putt from a tough spot, that would be a kind of exciting way to, to finish. So I don't know, I, again, this, like, this would be like a one-time thing. I think the way the golf course is set up now is how it should be, but uh, that was, that was something I was thinking about too. I thought it'd be pretty cool if, if they would try something like that, but obviously they're not going to do that. But you uh, think, um, do you, and I, you know, we can kind of rehash this conversation. Do you think that the front front nine is more difficult than the back, or do you think one nine is, you know, better than the other? Better doesn't necessarily mean harder, obviously. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think that's where it depends on what you say. Better is, um, I think, 
if I'm not playing the Masters and I'm just going to enjoy the golf course, I think some of the holes on the front are maybe like a little better in some ways. Because um, I think the holes on the back lead to very like a lot of excitement, but that doesn't necessarily mean I think they're like I don't want to call them gimmicky because I don't I don't really believe that, but I think they're a little more like tricky and and maybe less enjoyable to play with some of the shots you have to hit. I'm thinking about like 13 hitting a long iron with the ball at your waist level and like yeah. 15 coming in where you literally can't miss it anywhere coming into that green. And then um, I think 18 is, I mean, it's obviously a, a really good finishing hole because of all the, all the exciting things that have happened there, but that's a hole that just like, at face value, not like not in the masters. It's not like anything super special, I guess. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would say, I think it depends on how you're defining better. I don't know if I would say one is like better or not, but I think I in think, certain ways, yeah, there are pros and cons of each. Yeah. I think the front nine, I hesitate to use the word boring, I think it's certainly the the harder nine. I think it's underappreciated, but I it obvious, I don't think it has as much as you know, kind of the wow factor. It doesn't have the creeks. It doesn't have, you know, the azaleas behind the green. It doesn't have these features that people think of when they think of Augusta. So I think, I think in terms of better meaning, you know, memorable and scenic and great golf holes, great golf holes. I think the back nine takes it. But I think if you're going for difficulty. Um, and the tests, I think the front nine is um, the the harder nine, and I think it's a little underappreciated. But plus, uh, plus you got Pompas on the front nine. Plus, you do have Pompas, which is a beast of a hole. <laughs> My favorite hole. Yeah, uh, I, that's still puzzling to me. Why? I don't know. It's just like a straightaway par four. I, I think there are just a lot better holes out there. The green, the green is exciting. You, the way you can like feed shots into some of those hole locations. I agree with that, but it's, I don't know. It's just one of the more like mundane holes out there. I feel like. Right, you got to You got to come down. You got to come down the hill, you know, opens up to this green surrounded by bunkers and gallery. I think it's just, I think it's a great scenic hole. I think it's hard okay. as hell. Okay. And then is there, I mean, I guess, uh, Shifting to the other half of the question, is there anything like not course related you wish they would try this year or not really? Do you think it's kind of good as is? No, um, I think I think that they do, you know, the right amount of, you know, pre-tournament things. They have the dinner, they have the par three, you know, all the way leading up. I think to they're, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if this is true, but I, th I thought I saw they're not having the par three. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I, I don't think they are, um, okay. but just... Um, in terms of, uh, you know, um, normal years. Um, I think it would be cool. I don't know. I, I think the logistics of it wouldn't, wouldn't work out so well, but I think it would be fun to have um, that women's amateur, that's the women's amateur closer to the tournament, maybe a week before. Or so um, mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, you get the best, you get the best players in the world, um, women's amateurs and and then obviously the professionals um back-to-back -back weeks i think that would be great they'd get to see the course you know in master's conditions uh, i think that would be cool um but i i think they do a good job of, of you know having enough events and everything's for the fans and um so no i i don't know what about you 
Uh, so I've heard rumblings that there's like, my idea was going to be that there, um, I heard that Jeremy Roenick, like the hockey analyst, like there is supposed to be this network where like you can, they're going to do like a simultaneous broadcast of like sports events where like it's an R-rated broadcast that you could like choose to listen to that instead of the actual broadcast. So that was one idea I had was like something like that where basically everyone's mic'd up and they can say whatever they want, just their normal conversations with their caddies. And you could easily catch that without having any fan audio there. It just like a simultaneous broadcast that you only had to listen to if you wanted to, like you could still listen to Jim Nance and all the panoramics of the azaleas with him whispering and stuff. If if you want to go that route, but I thought it'd be cool this year if they also had the simultaneous broadcast, it was a little more, uh, r-rated where all the players were mic'd up and listening to a lot of those player caddy conversations so they would just they would just cut the they would just cut the audio for the players if you were watching the uh rated g version and you could just listen right so that that version would be the normal broadcast the one you would watch on cbs like any other year but then simultaneously you could just watch on a different channel and i mean there would obviously be some logistics with um licensing and and stuff involved in that but you know if assuming you can do anything you want that's an idea that i thought would be cool uh well just real quick um carlos ortiz has finished this off he's won the uh houston open um so i don't know is he will he be in the masters have they kept that spot for that winner or was that Um, determined let me see if he's on the field list anyway uh, new course this year there, uh, Memorial Park Golf Course, the classic Brooks Kepka redesign. Uh, I guess he's now thrown his hat in the ring in golf course architecture. I think he was more of a – it was Tom Doak who, who did it, but I think he was more of the player consultant. But I guess he had a decent hand in it. Um, it looked like a great golf course. It was firm, fast, and long. So um, I was a fan of this one. I don't know how much of it you watched, Jimbo. I didn't get to watch much of it, to be honest with you. Um I'm not seeing Carlos Ortiz in the current field, so I'm not sure that he's going to get in. Um, yeah, and this goes back. This goes back to what Sam and I, or not Sam and I, Sam and the, you know, Sam's idea of like whether Hovland and Berger should be in the field, um, based on how the schedule is shaken out, and we've kind of beat that topic to death in in some past episodes. But um, it's it's a tough one, obviously. I mean. If the schedule were normal, I think this event, the Houston Open, would have still been played before the Masters. I I could be wrong on that, but it, it's tricky. Obviously, it, it's hard to, with all the shuffling that's gone on. You know, depending yeah. on how you look at it, things could be fair. They could not be fair, but it is what it is. It's kind of a strange year. I mean, I, I would think that he'd be understanding if he wasn't in the Masters. Um, just, I mean, because this field's been set for months and months, so. Uh, I just, you know, I didn't know if the, because, you know, the Houston Open is usually um, usually the tournament before the Masters, and that, that champion is reserved. Um, so I didn't know if they were holding that spot. But Yeah, uh, I just looked it up, and he will not be getting in this year. So okay. that's unfortunate for him, but, you know, he'll get in in April, I think. So Yeah, agree. And then, obviously, he's got his, you know, his exemptions now. And so it looks like he'll be off to his start on the uh, tour. But um, back to uh, the Masters, Jimbo. Um, one thing, you know, we talked a little bit about it. Uh, we kind of we're talking holes. We'll transition into the course here. Um, I've heard murmurings of, you know, will 13 be be lengthened or not? Um, I guess Augusta National has some property or something back there. Um, 
that they were link that they were looking at lengthening that hole you know moving that tee even further to the left so now i mean it's already i think one of those shots that they talk about constantly people can't really appreciate on tv how big of a hook you need to hit to keep that ball in the fairway but now they're talking about moving that even further left and back so now it's just like a snap hook off that tee Um, we don't know if that will be you know in or not people keep talking that they are looking at the google images weekly to see if they've moved earth or ground on that (laughs) um i don't know how how often Google Earth is updating their satellite photos, but I would have to think that 13 is going to still be the same distance, at least for the November Masters. I don't know about the April. Um, but the course itself, um, Jim, I, I guess that kind of goes into your second question, or um, was that yeah. one ready? Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, because I think there are a couple things I wanted to say about what you're just talking about, but that's going to get us more into talking about the field a little bit. So let me ask this question first, and we can focus on the on the course for a couple minutes longer. Uh, my other question was going to be, so say, hypothetically, the Masters doesn't exist. Let's just say, you know, every Masters memory you have is wiped from your brain. Um, Augusta National is just another golf course. It's never hosted a Masters. It's never hosted a PGA Tour event, but it's still the same exact layout, same condition, but it doesn't have any of the things associated with the Masters, right? Like you don't have the white scoreboards next to the next to the greens out there. You, you don't even know what a green jacket is. Um, so in this hypothetical world, let's say you get dropped off on the first tee at Augusta National and you're gonna, um, you're just playing the golf course. Do you think that's the best golf course in the U.S.? Or do you think, and if not, I guess not that you have to name every one you think is better. I don't know if, if we're going to be able to um, have that list off the top of our head. But, I mean, give a few examples of ones you think are better if, if, if you do want to go that way. Um, so just kind of gut reaction, no. I don't think, it, I don't think it's the best golf course. Um, it's, I would say it stays in my top five, though. And I, the only reason I think it's not my top is because it doesn't – I don't think it's as, you know, as unique as some of the other ones. Or just, you know, I I love the – and the two that I would put before are Oakmont and Wingfoot, um, both that I've played, both um, – I guess they've changed Oakmont now. But uh, the that northeast feel with trees, tree-lined fairways, and, you know, the thick rough, fast green, I, I love that that look. I – I love that feel in the golf course and that's not Augusta. Um, so I, it doesn't rank number one for me, but it stays in my top five for sure. Okay. I'd probably say something similar. Um, and I, yeah, it, it's hard cause I obviously haven't played some of the ones that I might like say are, are better. Um, like Pebble beach, I would say like with, with where that is like geographically and, um, some of the really neat holes they have there, I would say that's maybe a little better to me just from a pure golf course standpoint. Um, your, your U.S. Open venues, like you mentioned, that's hard because you also have like memories of, of majors taking place on those that may impact kind of how you're feeling about those. So, I mean, I've played Oakmont, like like you said, that's a, that's a great golf course. I might give Augusta the edge over Oakmont just from a pure layout perspective. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I thought it was a, 
an interesting question. I still don't actually know necessarily where I stand on it because, like I said, it's difficult if you haven't played some of these other courses. I mean, from a another one that's coming to mind, Firestone South, I think is like one of the best golf courses in the world from a layout perspective. I just I've having been there and seen it. Uh, th that's one that I think would be up there for me as well. But I don't know. I guess I guess where I was going with that question though was I think to a certain extent, some of the the memories and traditions around the Masters make Augusta yeah. so special rather than the other way around. I don't think I don't think the Masters is so special because of the layout. I think I think it's a layout that's very much suited to exciting moments. So I think from that sense it um it's awesome. But I think it's a lot of those traditions and and great moments that have happened that um uh, that make people think of Augusta so fondly. Would you be surprised to hear that, at least according to this source, Augusta National is 15th in the world in terms of golf course ranking? That's where that's I was. Yeah, that's hard because I was trying to keep it just to the U.S. just because I felt like you at least had a similar like topography and geographic uh, environment that you could compare it to. Because yeah. I think when you get into comparing like u.s courses to kingston heath in australia versus st andrews versus something in south africa like that's just so hard to, they're all like awesome and they're just in different parts of the world so it's a different style of golf whereas i mean you still have that even within the u.s but uh maybe not quite to the to that degree so yeah it would I'm, be, I'm, i guess i'm not surprised though to answer your question if, yeah if you take out all the international courses it would jump up to eighth in the world which which seems to be pretty consistent with where it lies with any other kind of list that I've seen. Um, but I, that's such a, that question is so difficult because the only time realistically you're ever seeing that golf course is, you know, is the masters. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, and it's so subjective too. I mean, you, there's probably someone out there that's like, yeah, yeah. Augusta doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. You know, so obviously I, it's not as nice as Seminole. So <laughs> no track. I uh but yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I think that um would you say Yeah, we don't we don't have to decide. Like I mean I I don't think we're uh you know, I don't think we're making the decision on, you know, whether it matters what we think, but uh no, I I just think it's interesting that um you really like you said you really only see this golf course for the masters so it's it's very much its identity is tied into into this one event that happens once a year but we're lucky this year we get two of them within a six month period of time so um yeah i thought that was interesting but i think now is probably a good time to start talking about the field a little bit if you uh if you agree i think yeah. um so, i, I want to oh, get ahead. it i want to get it out of the way um Obviously, coming into this, everybody's eyes are kind of shifting toward Bryson, talking about how he's, you know, going to put in a 48-inch driver. He's going to take crazy lines off the tee. Um, you just told me what his um, what his plan was on 13. Can you go ahead and? Uh, yeah, this is one like I don't. Again, I read it on like on uh, social media, so don't know if it's actually his game plan. But I read that he was supposed to um, go in with the game plan on 13 of 
hitting it as far as he can kind of straight um, and ending up somewhere on 14 fairway, which would leave him, he was guessing about 120 yards into the green. So we talked about that a little bit already, but 13, you got to hit a big hook to keep it in that fairway or you got to hit it over the trees on the left, which that's where I'm a little puzzled because I don't know if he doesn't think he can hit it high enough to go over the trees or what his, um, or maybe he thinks he's taking on less danger by going kind of straight towards 14, but he'll probably still have to hit a little bit of a draw, but what he's doing is allowing himself to essentially hit a normal shot off that tee. And without the fans, um, he, he'll be able to see kind of where he's looking on 14 and, uh, it's interesting because I think this is an example of something where say they don't lengthen 13 and he does this and he pulls it off. Are we going to see a major shift before the next masters that's happening six months from now? So I think that's, that's one example I'm looking at of something where, uh, this is going to be a, almost like a trial run since at this point, I don't know how you bet against Bryson after what he did at, at Wingfoot. Um, uh, Every major, I, I mean, I think he's he's the betting favorite going in, in my opinion. So, well, I think the argument that you make is, you know, you know, what if he, what if he does, what if he has that week where he's missing? I mean, because in reality, when you're hitting the ball that hard at, at those speeds, yes, he's obviously the best in the world at doing that. But I mean, you're talking about, I don't know, fractions of millimeters off that you know, he could start getting sideways quick. And um, I, I think that's the, that's the always going to be the counter argument is, okay, well, what if he has that week where he's making tens and he's shot himself out of the tournament in one hole? Um, I think you're right going into it. How can you bet against him? I mean, he's said time and time again, this is what I'm going to do. And then he's done it. And then he's won a major. So um, do you think, do you think that Augusta national is the, the kind of golf course that will take exception to him kind of coming out and, you know, for lack of a better word, embarrassing their golf course and their setup. I don't think they're, I don't think they will like complain about it. I think what they'll do is they'll solve the problem in their way. So like, that's where I think they'll do something before the next one in April to make it so he can't do that. Or like they'll make him play the way they want him to somehow. Do you think, do you think that this ever gets to the point where they're just like, and I, I know that this sounds crazy, but do you think that this ever gets to the point where they're just like, Bryson, you can't play golf this way? I mean, are, are you are, are you asking like specifically if Augusta's going to, if the, the um, tour, I guess okay, the tour, the PGA tour. No, I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I don't think you can really do that. Um, what I do think though, is that like, I think at a certain point, if more people start doing what Bryson's doing, I think Augusta might like change like how they invite people to the Masters. I think that's something that I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Like again, I don't think they're gonna just be like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna send out invitations to everyone except Bryson." Like I don't think that's what's gonna happen. But if they can't keep that golf course, like you know playing the way they want it to they're going to do something so i don't know what that's going to be but uh you know and they're not the ones making the rules they're not the usga they're not the rna so if they can't persuade those organizations to do something they're going to take matters into their own hands 
Yeah, I I was talking when, we, when Bryson started this and, you know, he came out and, you know, was putting, you know, he came out 40 pounds heavier and was hitting the ball 30 yards further. Uh, we were kind of going through the courses and the majors where, you know, he could do this. And I remember saying that I thought that this was really the only course that he could do it at. Um, obviously, he won at Wingfoot and we haven't played this yet, but I think I still stand by that. I mean, the guy... <laughs> I don't know. The, the guy seems to have figured this out um, to the point where he can control the golf ball um, at those speeds, wherever he needs it to go. Augusta is, I, I think Augusta is one of those courses where there's more room than it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, one thing I would urge him that like, not that he's going to be in a position to take my advice, but if I, if I were him, I would try to make, I would try to take advantage of that length on the par fours. Like, I don't think he gets much by being super aggressive on the par fives because he can hit two iron off pretty much every par five and probably still reach it in two. Yeah. And like a lot, some of those, you really got to hit a certain shot shape, like may, maybe 15 aside. Actually, maybe I'm talking about more like two and 13. I mean, I, I don't think he should be doing something stupid on those two holes. Like you have to hit a big draw. Like why not just hit your two iron? You're going to be able to get there into, you know, make, make a move on like seven, for example, hitting it up there. So you have 80 yards in and, you know, you're, you're making that an easy hole. Like, I think, I think, I think basically he just needs to pick and choose his spots. Like, I don't think his game plan should be, I'm going to just hit driver as far as I can on every hole and figure out a way to do that. I think it should be more strategic than that to have success at Augusta. Cause if he can get, I think if he can get around those corners or, the this the shot augusta seems to be you know tight and then it opens up into this vast space i mean that's kind of every mm-hmm. tee shot there yeah so i don't know if that will handcuff him at all you know on some of his lines because of the shoots um but like you know i think you're right like two the, the par fives the par fives have have showed that they play easy for everybody um so i, I think you're right i don't think he gets much out of that um, everybody can, everybody's pretty much coming in with an iron to two, 13, 14 and eight. I mean, eight, eight's kind of, uh, you can kind of bang three wood up there and, you know, yeah. it'll swell back into that green. So, um, I think you're right. I think the holes where he could really take advantage are like seven, five, three, three, he can probably put it, you know, three, three is one of those holes where you know is it worth going for it because that green is so tough but if he is hitting it 30 yards further maybe he can hit it over that green where it's a he's going to have an easier chip shot coming back or right or left of wherever he feels like he needs to put it i think maybe that's one part you know one par four that he you know you might be able to see an advantage of but i think you're right i think the par four is where he can really use his length and have wedge into almost every single one of them yep exactly and uh i guess expanding the conversation a little bit like away from just Bryson I think we'll get to making our picks towards the end but um who else is kind of on your short list of of your you know favorites this week or who you who you think this this tournament really Um, suits so Rory Rory has surprisingly really good odds coming into this um again uh he was my pick he's been my pick all year for this I I really pick, you know, and that's why Jordan Spieth still has great odds here is because I think when you pick at Augusta, you pick for experience. Um, so I like Jordan Spieth coming into it. Um, obviously, DJ um, Brooks actually had a really good week. He shot 65-65 this weekend. 
So kind of all those names that you would think. Um, it, you know, if I'm picking somebody a little under the radar, um, I don't know. I think you know maybe Shane Lowry with his with his short game. Um, he's had a few good weeks, not great. Um, Adam Scott, I know <laughs> you're probably going to take Adam Scott. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I, don't, I don't usually pick him because he's hard to predict, but I'm obviously pulling for him. So, <laughs> But I think um, the – because I think that they're doing – because of the, you know, the, the daylight issue, are they doing split tees for the first time? Uh, I don't know, but if you saw that, I would believe it. Um, I believe that's something that I saw. Uh, okay. the split, so if they're doing that, they're doing the split, and then it's a smaller field. Um so I, I don't know, but those are those are some of the guys I'm watching. I I always always take experience here when I look at these. You know, I'm never going to be like, hey, it's this guy's first Masters, but he, you know, he's won. Like, I I, I don't know. I I think it's something that. Yeah, I know. I agree with a lot of those guys you mentioned. My pick in earlier in the year was Justin Rose, so I still like that one kind of, and that may be more of a dark horse, honestly, um, since he hasn't played as well as some of these other guys you mentioned, but um, I guess more specifically, like, what do you think Tiger's going to do this year? I mean, do do you see him contending or? No, I I don't, to be honest with you. Um... Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think yeah, he obviously played so well last year. He still has it in him. I, I won't be surprised if he does contend. But, uh, you know, uh, just kind of looking at what are the odds he plays well versus the odds he doesn't, I think the odds he doesn't are a little better. Yeah, um, and that's just because, I mean, he's, I don't know, he's played two tournaments in the last three months or whatever it is, and he's finished, missed the cut at the U.S. Open and then T72 at the Zozo. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what are you – yeah, I guess he's the defending champion and – we just talked about how experience helps you there, but you still got to be playing well, you know, to have you know, just because you've won there doesn't mean you're going to come out and play great. But yeah, yeah, I think obviously the easy choice is to say that he's going to struggle here just based on recent history and his yep. playing all year. What about uh, what about your boy DJ? So he he played well this week in Houston. Uh, the knock. I guess at face value, like with DJ at Augusta would be, he likes to hit a fade and typically they say you want to hit a draw off most of the tees at Augusta. I don't necessarily buy into that as much, especially when you're looking at DJ who's um, had such a great career and so much success at different places. But how do you, how do you think he's going to play this week? Do you think he backs up his good performance at, at the Houston open? Yeah, I do. Um, I think he, you know, I think he's had his time off. I think, you know, obviously he went through that stretch where he was undeniably the best player in the world. I think he still is. Um, when you start playing that well, people start seeing it as a backtrack when you don't win every week. And I think mm-hmm. that's one thing you have to keep in mind. Um, like a T2 this week, I think anybody would take a T2 going into the next week. I mean, they, the pressure's not on them to win. You know, if DJ would have won this week, okay, well, you know, now he's the automatic favorite going into – Augusta but what he's shown is that coming off of a break here he is in good form he's comfortable with his game he put it well um so he I think he likes where he's at going into it and yeah yes he hits a fade you need to hit a draw at Augusta um but I think that one I think he's so long that he it's not gonna matter I think when you start talking about 
needing to hit certain shots this way or that way. I think, you know, there's some, maybe he can hit three wood where he can, you know, work it better with his three wood both ways than he can with his driver um, or like hitting that two iron or, you know, whatever he needs to do to get the ball in play, I think he'll do. But I also think that just because, just because you need to hit something doesn't mean he will. Um, so I think I like his chances going into it. I like him better than, I like him better than Rory, but just for the sake of not being repetitive, I'm still going to stick with Rory. Yeah. And another guy that's um, maybe not quite at the top of the betting favorite list, but who has had a ton of success at Augusta hasn't won, but has had a lot of top five finishes is Jason day. He had three good rounds in Houston, kind of had a bad one today on Sunday, but he's a guy who I think the weather is going to be a bit of an indicator on whether he's in the mix or not. He hits the ball really high. So if we get 50 degrees and windy, I don't necessarily think I would bet on him, but if it does end up being uh, more of the April like weather where it's in the sixties and seventies and kind of sunny, I think he's someone who may be rounding into form at the right time. And I think he's, he's another one who, like you said, experience is a big factor at Augusta. He probably has a lot of good memories to, to fall back on. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the mix as well. Well, and yeah, and I think, um, I think the fact that he hits it high and same with DJ, um, the fact that they hit it high kind of negates, negates the fact that they have to work a ball a certain way off the tee. Um, I think that that helps, you know, kind of working the ball back into those slopes can hold it. You don't have to, you know, whereas a guy who's hitting the ball lower kind of has to take the shapes of those holes. He doesn't have the option of going up and over those trees. Um, so I think that's another thing, you know, especially with um, Jason and DJ or anybody else that's a high ball hitter kind of, I think that severely impacts which way you have to work the ball off the tee there. Um, but it looks like they will be going off of split tees. So we will get to see, uh, you know, the, that going back to what you talked about, wanting to see a, um, you know, kind of flipping of the nines to see if that impacts. Yeah, we will get to see that, I guess, Thursday and Friday. Yeah, first two rounds, split tees. So I don't know the history if they've ever done that. Um, I can't think of any time that they have, um, even during, I mean, because, you know, there's, I don't know, two and a half hours less daylight coming into this this Masters. Um, I, I think that, I don't know, do you think, do you think it'll be, you know, impactful or? I mean, I, you know, again, having never played the course, I, I don't know. I'm kind of talking, you know, out of my ass a little bit here, but I'd, I'd much rather play the front nine first. Like, yeah, I don't I think, I don't think I'd want to have, I mean, 10 tee shot actually isn't that bad. I think you probably have a little more room than uh, maybe some of the holes out there off of 10 tee and, and you typically hit a three wood or something and have it run a ways down there. Um, but then having 11 and 12 be your second and third holes, I think that is a little bit of a tough break. Uh, but again, everyone's going to have to do it. So I think the um, approach, I think the approach going into 10 is, is the meat of that hole. Yeah. Um, and that's assuming that you get it in play off the tee. I mean, you're going four ninety, and then five fifteen or whatever. And then, yeah. you know, one of the hardest par threes in all the golf for whatever reason, and, you know, it's only one fifty, but it constantly is playing one of the hardest par threes. So uh, I do, I think there will be an impact, especially, you know, people that don't, I mean, nobody, nobody's really played it flip that nine. So there really is no experience coming off of that. Yes. You've played the holes, but I think you're right. I mean, you could very easily be three over very quickly and feel like, you know, your masters yeah. is off to 
a shit start. Yeah, I mean, I'll put it, I'll say it this way. Like, I would, I think the ideal situation is if you go off the back in the first round, having a morning tea time. So you're going to, you're going to get, um, kind of less wind in the morning obviously and then if you can get through those first three holes like say you go par 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 i think that is like you're kind of like hey i'm I'm in this at this point like you probably feel pretty good yeah. um so i think if you look at it in a positive way i think that, you know that that is something that, that maybe you can use to your advantage if you do get those three holes first and play them well so It'll be interesting though. I I don't remember a Masters having split tees in my lifetime, at least. Um, but so, I'm sure I'm sure there has been one at some point. Um, couple guys I want to hear your opinions on. Um, do you want me to go one by one, or do you just want me to give them all three to you? Yeah. Get, so yeah, why don't go one by one, and then I think uh, let's let's start like transitioning to making some actual picks too at some point. So. Okay. Uh, first guy, Jordan Spieth is he relevant in this masters the 10 minutes of coverage i watched at the houston open i watched him make two birdies and three holes um right before he missed the cut on friday um so it, it's always a mixed bag with him recently he's one that i still don't think i um i would bet on i don't think he's gonna be in the mix um you know like you said, you won't be surprised because he has had success there if, if this is an event where he kind of turns it around. But I don't think the chances are high. Um, so, again, looking kind of at odds for people, um, Mark Leishman, who we've always talked about being near the top. Loves of firing 81. Yeah, except for his 60 over par that he fired <laughs> 60 shots behind uh, Dustin that he finished. Um Odds at 125 to one right now, which I was, I thought that's, that was just robbery. Yeah, no, I think I'm never shocked when he wins. He's one where you just don't think about him. You know, you talk about the guys we've talked about, DJ, Rory, whatever. And then Leishman shows up in big events and I, yeah, I won't be surprised if, if he plays well. And and with those odds, why not throw a little money on him? I'm not somebody who's going to be betting on the Masters, but if if you if you're into that kind of thing, you know that's probably a good one. So finally, um, before we kind of get into you know picks and wrapping this up, um, Tony Finau, 2018 finishes T10, 2019 finishes T5. So he's got good history there, but has constantly had issues. Has he, you know, we, we've talked about it. Is he a closer? Can he close? Has he just not been able to yet? Or is he officially cursed from the Puerto Rico Open? I'll say it this way. I don't think his second win is going to be the Masters. Um, but I do think another top 10 is pretty likely for him this week. Uh, this seems to be a course he likes and has played well on. And regardless of the weather i think he's still a good um he's his game is suited to to playing well he he can hit it low i think he does like to hit it low most of the time and uh if he gets it going it's it's kind of hard to stop him so i i would feel more confident saying he's going to finish in the top 10 than saying he's going to win obviously but yeah i think he is going to play well i uh yeah i mean he's one of those guys that um you know, he's posted on social media. He's getting up into the, you know, low 200s for ball speed. He can hit it as far as I, – I think he can hit as far as Bryson if he really wants to. I think a couple guys can. They just haven't. Um, 
so I think, you know, Tony's got nothing to lose at this point. He might as well just go full send on this and bang balls all over Augusta and see if he can get the job done. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think a top 10 is more likely uh, than a win, but um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so looking at leaderboards, um, make a couple picks. Yeah, well, I, I think we should do a favorite, a contender, and a dark horse. Let's keep it simple since we don't have uh, the rest of the crew here. I don't think yeah. we can really do a draft of any kind. So, yep. All right, I'll let you uh, kick things off with your favorite. Uh, my favorite is Rory McIlroy. Um, he, I don't know, I, I, he had the collapse in 2010, um, but I, I still think that he – is destined to win here so i he's my pick um he's been my pick all year i'm sticking with him um you know he hasn't really played much um he had that since the restart um you know he obviously was the best player and then coming after the restart it's been it's been disappointing i think everybody would agree with that but um i think going back to this place i think he's motivated to win here uh, i know that his you know, he said his kind of his priorities have changed um, with the birth of his daughter and everything. But I think in the back of his mind, he knows that he needs the Masters tournament to kind of cap off this career. And I think that, um, you know, what's he waiting for at this point? So yep. he's my favorite. Okay. Um, my favorite is someone we haven't mentioned, surprisingly, and that's Justin Thomas. Uh, ball striking wise, he has every shot in the bag. I, I think he's um, someone who can play any golf course in the world and play it well so he's going to be my favorite this week if he knocks some putts in um will not be shocked if he gets his second major this week his first major came at quail hollow in north carolina which isn't super far from augusta um and a similar type of you know environment uh that we'll see at augusta this week so he's one that hasn't um made a ton of noise in the masters yet in his career, but I think it's about time that, that we see his name at the top of the leaderboard at Augusta. So that's my favorite. I, I don't know why I, I I'm never, you know, like hot on Justin Thomas really any week. Uh, you're right. He, he, he hasn't really made a ton of noise. Um, he has finished um, better than the year before. Every time he's played, he's T39, T22, T17, T12. Um, so he certainly looks to be trending uh, in that direction. So, I think that's a good pick. I don't know why I always seem to leave him out of um, the mix, to, to, so to speak. But um, I get – so what do we do? We're doing um, contenders now? Yeah, so yeah, so contender – I'll kick this one off. We can uh, go back and forth. So my contender is going to be the guy I mentioned already. That's Justin Rose. He is who I picked um, back at the beginning of the year to, to win at Augusta. Uh, really basing this off of nothing other than – like a little bit of a gut feeling. Uh, he had a close call when Sergio won um, a few years ago, I believe. And um, another one who T to green, there aren't too many people better. Um, aside from that big double cross he hit at the, uh, the match they did in Missouri a few weeks ago, that was pretty awful. But uh, no, I think, yeah, Justin Rose, I guess I have the team of the Justins so far, but uh, Justin Rose is someone who I expect to be up there, if not um, holding the green jacket at the end of the week. Really? Okay. Um, my contender, uh, I'm just going to take DJ. Um, 
he's pretty much been the definition of contending the last five years here. T six, T four, T ten, T two. So I think I'm picking. I think I'm picking Rory because I really hope he wins and finishes off the the Grand Slam here because um, I really think he does deserve it. And but DJ, I think DJ is just going to be you know top ten, kind of always where he is. Um, he's going to come in. He's going to play great. He's not going to do anything. Know, special he's going to ho-hum his round his way around the golf course so i think he'll be top 10 for sure okay yeah i mean hard to argue with that one i think you're kind of like not following the rules a little bit by picking two guys who are both like in the top three in the world but hey you know that's fine we'll let it slide uh so for your dark horse sea dog who are you thinking there so someone who maybe no one's going to be talking about going into the week, but who you, who you wouldn't be surprised to see up there at the end. I hate the dark horse pick. <laughs> um, I, cause it's, it's a, such a limited field and almost every name you look at is, you know, would you, would you jump on me if I pick leash? As a dark horse? No, I think that's a good dark horse. I don't think he's going to be the the face of the live from the Masters coverage uh, the first three days. So I think that fits. Yeah, I, uh, I I think I think Leash is a good is a good pick um, for the dark horse. Uh, he, you know, I, I don't I don't really know what kind of form he's in right now. Um, I think he's going to come and kind of just do whatever. Leishman does to see himself get to the top of the leaderboard going into the last day. Um, he's been, he's been, you know, right around, he's in the lead at Augusta before. So I think he knows, I don't think he'll be intimidated by, you know, being near the lead or knowing what he's got to do to get it done. Um, so I, I, I think uh, I'm going to go with leash for the dark horse. Okay. Mine's going to be a similar caliber player, someone who is, you know, successful in, in their golf <clears throat> golf resume, but maybe won't be talked about too much coming in and that's Paul Casey. Um, I'm like, I'm just looking for guys who uh, can kind of play in all types of weather. Cause I think that's the main question mark. So I think he's one being from Europe, um, being able to hit it kind of low if he wants to. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, he's going to be the, the guy I think uh, no one's going to be talking about, but I think we'll find him towards the top of the leaderboard at the end of the week. So it was between him and Sandy Lyle for me, so I think I ended up going with Paul Casey, though. Well, obviously, uh, Fred Couples is in the field, so we'll see him at the top of the leaderboard after day one. Yep, exactly. It's funny neither one of us mentioned Bryson after we talked about him for for ten minutes. Well, I think that's because neither one of us is Bryson fans, and we yeah don't. I feel comfortable in saying that neither of us wants to see Bryson win. Yep, for sure. So I'm not gonna waste my uh, waste my pick on him. Um, but, uh, one guy that's been left out of the conversation is Ricky. Is he, I don't even know if I'd say he's left out though. He just, what has he done? Like, what have you done lately? Well, I, of all the majors, the masters is the one that he seems to be, you know, the most comfortable at. Um, but he, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he, he's, I don't know what it, I got to look up his world. His world golf ranking right now is like low sixties or something. Um, I mean, he's dropped dramatically. So 47. 
47 Damn. in the world. He, I mean, he's close to not even qualifying for the Masters if he keeps, uh, I think it's top 50, get an exemption. So if he doesn't have um, the wins that he needs to get in that way, he's he's on a slippery slope to maybe not qualifying for the Masters here in the next couple of years if he doesn't uh, turn things around a little bit. Um, so. I, I just to kind of, we'll kind of wrap up here. Um, I think this leaderboard, I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot of masters winners on this leaderboard. I think you're going to see a lot of guys that have been close in the past. I think it's going to be, you know, a good one. I don't think you're going to see a lot of surprises, um, mainly, you know, because this field has been set, um, you know, so long ago. And I think all those guys have been pretty much playing well. So, um, final thoughts here, Jimbo. Um, I guess my final thought would be, it's interesting because I've been out of like paying attention to golf for a few weeks. So I think that's what I'm most excited about is it's, it's kind of a nice surprise that all of a sudden we have the masters this week. Cause I haven't really been focused on watching golf these past few weeks to a month with, with maybe the less exciting events that are going on this type of year. So I think that's what I'm most excited for, you know, get back into, into the golf mode a little bit after watching football these past few weeks. Yeah. I, and I guess kind of feeding off that, it'll be interesting to see if these guys can get, you know, they have, we haven't really had anything since, you know, September when the U S open, and then we've gone now two months, we have the masters we're ramping up for the masters. And then, you know, just to kind of gear back down again. Um, and we have all, you know, all those events in January, but that's still another good you know, two and a half months away. So we kind of have this huge event in the middle of nothing. So, you know, I, I don't think it's hard for these guys to get excited for the Masters, but we'll see if, you know, they can bring the same energy level given everything. Um, you know, no fans. You know, is, it, is there an asterisk on it? You know, some maybe some guys feel like they should be here that aren't, you know, whatever. So I think it'll be interesting to just kind of see how the whole thing plays out. Um, but with that being said, um, well, I think we'll obviously follow up next week when this is all said and done. Um, unless Jimbo, you have anything else? No, I think uh, hopefully more than just the two of us will be on to recap next week. I think uh, we'll hopefully get uh, Sam or AJ or Max on as well. But um, if not, you know, the dog and I can see how our picks held up and we'll, uh, we'll reconvene after the Masters. So peace out. Agreed. Have a good week.